church good morning name that tune what was it by that's right that song was yellow by Coldplay one of my favorites and I want to read for you excerpts from an actual letter that was sent to that band not too long ago concerning that particular song yellow it starts out this way dear Chris Guy Johnny and Will I know it's a bit strange but my whole life I've had a complicated relationship with the color yellow. From being called the word in a derogatory way throughout grade school to watching movies where they were cowardly people being yellow, it's always had a negative connotation in my life. That is, until I heard your song. See, for the first time in my life, it described the color in the most beautiful, magical ways I had ever heard. The color of the stars, her skin, the love. It was an incredible image of the attraction and aspiration that made me rethink my own self-image. I remember seeing the music video in college for the first time. It immediately became an anthem for me and my friends and gave us a new sense of pride we had never felt before. Though it probably wasn't ever your intention, we could reclaim the color for ourselves and it has stuck with me for the majority of my life. So the reason I am writing this now is because I am directing a film for Warner Brothers called Crazy Rich Asians. And it is the first all-Asian cast for a Hollywood studio film in 25 years. And he goes on, he says, It would be such an honor to use your song that gave me so much strength throughout those years to underscore the final part of our film. And for me personally, it would complete a journey that I've been going through fighting to make it in the movie business. And his last paragraph says this, the last paragraph of the letter says... I know as an artist, it's always difficult to decide when it's okay to attach your art to someone else's. However, I do believe this project, this project is special. I do believe this is a unique situation in which the first Hollywood studio film with an all-Asian cast 
who is not playing stereotypes or side players, but romantic and comedy leads, it will give a whole generation of Asian Americans and others the same sense of pride I got when I first heard your song. I know it's recontextualized, but I think it's what makes it powerful. I want all of them to have an anthem that makes them feel as beautiful as your words and melody made me feel when I needed it most. Much love, John M. Chu. <laughs> Friends, so much to say here. But what I want to focus on for our purposes right now, this particular morning, this particular day, is the power of first. I want to focus on the power of first. Whether it's your first date, your first car, your first job, your first home, your first kiss, your first baby. Maybe it's your first time on a plane. Maybe your first dance. First impressions, we all, no matter who you are, have firsts. I don't know what you're bringing into this room today. I don't know what you're bringing into church today, but I know this about everyone. We all have firsts. And today is the start of our brand new series called First. Everyone has firsts. And for the director of the most successful rom-com, did you hear about this? It's the most successful rom-com of the last nine years. And his first impressions from a simple song have led to some pretty cool lasting effects, right? Effects that are helping him tell a story to a new generation today. I mean, Coldplay's song, Yellow, that's what I grew up with, right? That's, that's a song that I listened to in college. But now you know who's listening to it? My three daughters, okay? 13, 11, and 9 years old. They actually think the music I'm listening to is cool. That's a, that's a win, okay? The effects of first impressions are making lasting impression both in this new generation today and even in a global way. Check this out. Crazy Rich Asians. Raise your hand if you've seen the movie. Go ahead, raise them up real high. Okay, the one person that hasn't seen it is Pastor David. I mean, that's a little awkward now. Pastor Yana has seen it, but you haven't seen it yet? That's, that's weird, man. Okay, anyways, all right? Yellow. Yellow. It's no longer a derogatory slam. It's no longer an adjective used to describe the cowardly or, or the weak. Instead, for the first time ever, at least in my lifetime, I don't know about you, but for the first time ever, yellow is the beautiful shine of stars. It's the magical glow of her perfect skin. 
Yellow is a love song. Now, what on earth does this have to do with church? Right? I mean, some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, what is going on right now? Watching Coldplay? Watching CRA? What's going on? How, what does this have to do with Jesus? Relax. Relax, okay? A couple of weeks ago, we had this church-wide picnic. Let me see a show of hands again. How many were at the church-wide picnic? Go ahead, raise your hand. Those of you not raising your hands, repent. It's okay, all right? Uh, you guys remember that song that we played, Worship or Love Song, right? That was a lot of fun. In fact, is the person who won, I think it's great. Did she get her, her, her really great prize, the, the apple and the watch? Is she here? No? Okay, maybe, she, maybe she's in Broadway, okay? Maybe she stopped coming because, you know, she got gypped. Uh, how about the person that tackled me? Are you in here? We need to talk later. We need to talk. Anyways, um, all that to say, for, for those of you who missed it, let me just catch you up to speed really quick. I, I shared very, very briefly uh, two weeks ago this one incredible passage from Scripture. It's from this obscure book that no one ever reads. It's the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17 says this. The Lord your God, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And church, let's read this last line together. He will exalt over you with loud... Do you guys read? Let's read this one more time together. He will exalt over you with loud singing. In other words, friends, God loves you. You so much. God loves you so much he actually serenades you. He sings over you. The, just think about this for a second. The creator of the universe sings love songs to you. And you. And you. He sings love songs to you. That's amazing. That's absolutely, if you think about that for a second, that just, it doesn't make sense, right? And, and see, sometimes we get caught up, especially if you've been going to church for a long time. Raise your hand if you've been going to church for more than 10 years of your life. Not necessarily this church, but for more than 10 years of your life, you've been going to church. Go ahead and raise your hand. Nice and high, nice and high. Okay. The longer you've been going to church, the more susceptible you are to thinking, oh, what's the big deal? I mean, this is Sunday. This is what I do. I go to church and I sing love songs to God, right? I sing to God. I love God. I worship God. So I'm going to sing songs of adoration and songs of praise and, and songs of worship and songs of exaltation because I love God. And that may very well be true. And that is a good thing for you to do. However, I want to focus on the other side of that coin. I want to focus on the 100% of the other side of that same coin. And that is, we also need to understand that God loves you first. God fell in love with you first. He's the one that serenaded you first. You didn't fall in love with God first. You didn't start singing to God first. No, no, no. God sang over you first. In fact, just as a reminder, back at the picnic... I shared how one of my mentors, Pastor Rick Warren, you know, lead pastor of Saddleback Church, how he shared with us earlier in the year, he shared with us this principle that, that is the first purpose of my life 
Your very first purpose in life. Did you know that your very first purpose in life is not to worship God? That's not your first purpose in life. Your very first purpose in life is not to obey God. That's not your first purpose. Your very first purpose in life is actually not to glorify God. It's not to worship God. It's not to obey God. No, those aren't your first purposes. Those are good purposes. And th those are good guardrails for your life. But those aren't your first. You can only have one first. You know what the first priority of your life is? The first purpose of your life? The first purpose of life is to be loved by God. I see some of you jotting that down in your notes. Go ahead and jot it down. The first purpose of life is to be loved by God, to actually receive his love, to embrace his love, to be embraced by his love. But don't take my word for it, or even Pastor Rick's. No, instead, check out the way even the New Testament book of Jude starts. Jude begins his letter this way. This letter is from Jude. He identifies himself a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all those who, what does it say there? Called. I am writing to all who are called. To what? To, to live in the love of God. Jude starts right out and he says, this is only a one chapter letter, by the way. It only has 25 verses, okay? So there's an economy of words when Jude speaks. And in this economy of words, in 25 verses, he starts right from the get-go. He starts with verse one and he says, you know what? I've been called by God and God's given me a message and I am writing. Who am I gonna write to? I am writing to all who are called, number one, what? called to what? To live in the love of God the Father. And in the care of Jesus Christ. Friends, did you know that the word of God actually says in no uncertain terms. I mean, there's a lot of things in the Bible where you just kind of like, oh, what's this saying? Oh, but doesn't it say this over here? Oh, I don't really understand this. Oh, gosh, I, what, what's happening? No, no, no. There are instances and there are topics and there are themes where it kind of gets a little wonky. But for this, in no uncertain terms, God says that you and I are called. To live in God's love. Friends, that's your first priority. To be loved. Not to be obedient. Not to be holy. Not even to tithe. Those are all important things. But no, no, no. Your first call, your first priority is to accept God's love. I am writing to all those who are called to live in the love of God and in the care of Christ Jesus. Live loved. You can jot that down in your margins. Live loved. You and I are called to live loved. In fact, I'll even take it a step further and say this. Your first calling, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. Your first calling is to enjoy, that's right, I use the word enjoy in church, okay? To enjoy a relationship with God. It's like the E word, enjoy, okay? You're allowed to enjoy. You're allowed to enjoy a relationship with God. See, friends, your most basic call in life, your most primal yearning, your most primal drive, your most raw desire, whether you realize it or not, it's not food, it's not shelter, 
It's not anything. Your most primal drive in life, creation cries out for its creator. Your first call is to actually enjoy a relationship with God. Can you believe this? Think of it this way. God, God is not trying to, he's not trying to make you feel miserable. You see what I'm saying? God is not like this cosmic force who, who plays with these little figurines, okay, in his kind of Lego world and, and, and trying to make everyone feel miserable. That's not God. God's got much better things to do than that. No, no, no. God, God is madly in love with you. Can you just turn to your person, the person next to you and say, God is madly in love with you. Just go ahead and say that to that person. God is mad. Turn to the other person and say, God is madly in love with you. That's right. That's right. God is madly in love. I just want to be totally honest here, okay? I love my, I madly love my wife, okay? 18 years, we have three kids, okay? She hasn't left me for 18 years, okay? So she apparently loves me as well, right? Madly... Even though I am madly in love, I ain't ever serenaded her. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay? Don't judge me, all right? Don't judge me because I haven't sung to her. Listen. Oh, okay. So let, let me. Ladies, raise your hand if your man has ever serenaded you. Be honest. See, I am not alone. See, oh, you, one person in the whole church. Is your husband like a worship pastor or something? I don't. Anyways, anyways, okay. I madly love my wife. Yet I have never serenaded her because I love her. <laughs> okay. But God, God is madly in love with us. And he literally, he literally sings over us. And so why? How could it shock us? How would it surprise us that God calls his beloved to enjoy a relationship with him? I mean, just think about it. If you were madly in love with someone, if you were madly in love with someone to the point where you're, you're just overflowing in song to them, wouldn't your priority be that they enjoy that relationship with you, right? If you madly love someone, then your heart's desire is that that someone would enjoy the relationship with you. God's no different. He madly loves you. He madly, madly loves you and so the first calling, the first yearning in your life is to enjoy a relationship with God. But again, don't take my word for it. Look at the words of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul just comes right out and says it to the church in Rome. Again, in the beginning of his letter, Jude did the same thing. Paul does the same thing. You see this pattern throughout Scripture. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, it says this. Dear friends in Rome, God what? What does he do? Loves you dearly. Starts right out. First chapter. Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly. And he is what? Called. And he has called you to be his very own people. God loves you dearly. And he has called you. He yearns for you. He beckons you. He calls you to be his very own. Friends, do you see how God's word teaches us? Before you were called to your marriage, before you were called to parenthood, before you were called to your family of origin, 
Before you were called to your vocation, your occupation, your profession, before you were called to your ministry, before you were called to whatever it is you think you were called, God calls you to enjoy a relationship with him. God beckons you. He summons you. He cries out for you to be in a relationship with him. See, friends, when it comes to Jesus, it is about enjoying the relationship, not enduring a religion. Does that make sense? I'll say it one more time. When it comes to Jesus, it is about enjoying a relationship, not enduring a religion. And so we can enjoy this relationship because his love for us never wanes. It never diminishes. It It never lulls. It never dissipates. It never goes away. You can never... You can never run out of God's love for you. This is unconditional, and it is, it is eternal, his love for you. In fact, the first and maybe last truth everyone in this room needs to understand and remember is this. How much God loves you. That's, that's the one truth that you and I, we need to understand. The first and maybe last truth that we need to understand and remember is how much God loves me. See, friends, because when you truly understand and remember how much God loves you, it changes everything. When you truly understand how much God loves you, not like, you know, take it like kind of like this general sort of feeling, like this general sort of truth, like you've been a Christian for a long time and you always know, oh yeah, God is love and he loves me and of course he loves me. Like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like when you genuinely set yourself in the discipline of accepting, of embracing, of remembering, of trying to understand and study even God's love for you, it changes everything very on very practical levels by the way for instance it takes away when you understand god's love for you when you remember god's love for you do you know what it does it takes away the pressure to perform there any overachievers in this room go ahead and raise your hand if you're an overachiever yeah yeah there's more of you you're just lying okay okay if you're an overachiever i i totally identify with that you know what for me was a breaking moment for me in my life of overachieving, in my life of, 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 of trying to perform and earning acceptance through performance? It's when I realized that, you know what? No matter what I do, how I do it, God loves, whether I fail miserably or whether I get all A's, God loves me. His love for me doesn't change. His acceptance for me doesn't change. His adoration for me doesn't change. His song over me doesn't change. Parenting helped me understand that. Parenting is helping me understand that. My kids, I mean, I, one of my kids gets so worked up, so worked up when there's a quiz in class the next day. I mean, she can't sleep. She wants me to test her. She wants mom to test her. She's like, I'm like, you're nine years old. It's okay. 
But she gets so worried. And I drop my younger two off, my 9 and 11-year-old. I drop them off at school every day. Not every day, but most days. And, and, and on days when we have, she's like, she's like, you know, she's like in this anxiety. And I'm just like, do you understand that it's okay? You just try your best, do your best. And mom and dad, we're going to love you anyway. And nothing's going to happen. And if you fail, you fail. It's okay. And if you get strays, that's great too. But that's all right. When you truly understand the Father's love for you, when you truly embrace the Father's love for you, your pressure to perform starts to melt away. You know what also happens when you truly understand, when you truly embrace, when you truly meditate on God's love for you? This is another thing that happens. It encourages you to step out of your comfort zone. It encourages you to make bolder moves. It encourages you to not fear the things that you are fearing all along. When you understand, when you embrace God's love for you, it helps you. It encourages you to step out of your comfort zones. You know what else it does? It also allows you, when you understand God's love for you and how much he loves you and how much you are already accepted, when you understand that, it allows you to forgive yourself. It allows you to forgive yourself. Just by looking at, at, at everyone here, I'm, I'm sort of guessing, I'm sort of assuming that chances are you probably grew in the same sort of household that I did, in the same sort of culture that I did, and that is love my parents, love my culture, all that stuff, right? But no parents, no culture, no home is perfect. And I grew up in a very shame-based, guilt-based culture. A very shame-based, guilt-based environment, right? That's, that's the home that I grew up in, right? And my parents, they weren't doing that deliberately, but that's how they grew up too. They grew up in a shame-based, guilt-based culture, right? And so when you take a shame-based, guilt-based culture, and then you add the subculture of Christianity to that, what happens? A lot of messiness happens, right? What happens is you start, you, you know that you are forgiven, and you know that you need to forgive others, right? And so in the best case scenario, when you are growing up in a shame-based culture, a guilt-based culture, and you add Christianity to that, well then in the best case scenario, what happens is what? What happens is you realize, okay, I'm forgiven. And in the best case scenario, not only am I forgiven, but I also need to forgive who? I need to forgive others, right? But what's usually the last thing that happens in that environment? Who's the last person to be forgiven? Yourself. And so all throughout life, you can't forgive yourself for whatever it is, for the mistake that you made 10, 20 years ago, for uh, the shortfalling you made this week, uh, for this thing that happened or that. You can't forgive yourself. But... When you understand and embrace and remember how much God loves you, it allows you, it helps you take that step forward to forgive yourself. Now, we're going to hit all those and more next week. We're going to take a deeper dive into those things. But for now, I want to leave you with one last taste 
of God's love song, so to speak, to you, something even better than Coldplay's Yellow, something even better than Catherine Ho's cover, as much as I love them both. In fact, this original LP from God's Word is one of those passages that constantly gets remixed, right? It constantly gets redone all throughout time. I mean, we hear, we hear it in songs. We see its theme played out in movies. Much of literature is written on this very foundation. Why? Because it's, it's actually the first love story ever told, right? Because nothing beats this original. And this actually, this is, what I'm about to read to you, this part of scripture, this is actually my prayer for us. This is actually my prayer for our church, okay? And it comes to us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It says this. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all, this is amazing, of all the fullness of God. Friends, can you imagine being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? Can you imagine being filled that way? I mean, I don't even know what that means, and I'm a pastor, but I just know, I have a feeling that it's something good, right? Like, what would your marriage look like tomorrow if you were filled with God's love today? What would your, what would, what would your relationships at work be like? How would you treat your kids differently tomorrow? If you were filled to the capacity of God's love today, what would Wednesday morning traffic look like for you? If you were filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Because friends, that's exactly what he makes available to you and to me when we receive and rest in his love. I'll end with this. Friends, God's love for you is wide enough to be everywhere. Long enough to last forever. High enough to overlook every single one of your mistakes and deep enough to handle anything. Does that make sense? God's love for you is wide enough to be everywhere, long enough to last forever, high enough to overlook all, every single one of your mistakes, and deep enough to handle anything. So my prayer for you is that you would receive that love through Jesus Christ. You know, in a minute, I'm, actually, I'm going to go ahead and call the band up here, and you can lead us out in this last song. But as they're coming up, here's what I want to do. And I understand that, you know, maybe this isn't something that's been done in a while, or, oh, gosh, I don't know. That's, that's, here's the deal. As the band is coming up in a moment, right, they're going to play this last song, okay? It's going to be a response song. And uh, I'm going to pray in a moment. And after I pray, 
I'm going to invite every single one here, every, you know, every man, woman, and child here, and the sound of my voice, if you're out there eating lunch or whatever, you can come on in too. If you're in the crying room, are those like our emotional people? Why is it called a crying room? Anyways, now I know why it's called a crying room. I just I think that's funny. But anyways, uh, if you're in the crying room, you can come out here as well. But I'm going to pray in a moment. And then, and then after I'm done praying or as I'm done praying, if you are someone that feels like, you know what, I just... I know God is love. I know that he loves me. But I just need a, like a renewed, a renewed appreciation of God's love. I'm going to invite you forward to, to come up here and worship with me. Okay, I'm going I'm to come down these steps and I'm going to sing this last song right here uh, on the open floor here. But if, that's some, if you feel like, you know what, I just need a renewed awareness of God's love then I'm just going to ask you to come forward and, and sing this song right, right here. To, and, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, last week we anointed this team that went to Kyrgyzstan, right? And, and, and many of you were sharing how that was a powerful moment for you. I want to anoint you as well. I want to anoint you. And, and here's the deal, okay? I've got the same vial of oil here, okay? This oil, I want to say it again, okay? There's nothing special about this oil, Okay? You could get it at Walgreens, okay? CVS, uh, Rite Aid, it doesn't matter, okay? But this is going to be an external sign, an external symbol of, of God internally stirring something inside of you. Does that make sense? And here's the deal. When you come up here, if you come up here and, and you hold out your hands like this, I'm just going to anoint you with oil. I'm going to anoint your hands with oil. And what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, Lord, I need the presence. Just as I feel this oil touch my hands, I need this presence. I need your power in my life. I need a renewed awareness of your love. Now, here's the important thing. You are not coming up here to receive more of God's love. Do you know why? Because you have already received all of God's love through Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, there's no more to receive. He's given you everything. He who did not spare his own son but give him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You have received all that you need through Jesus Christ. But sometimes, even though we've received everything, even though we've had every ounce of his love, sometimes you just don't feel it. Sometimes you just don't sense it. Sometimes you're just not aware of it. You forget it. And so if you're someone like that, you already know and you believe, but you're just like, God, I just need a, a new awareness of your love in my life. I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith, a literal step of faith out of your chairs to the front here. Come out with your hands open like this and receive symbolically, symbolically, a fuller awareness of God's love. And we'll sing this last worship song together and we'll call it a day. Amen? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I will be the first to admit, Lord, that I need a fuller awareness of your love for me. That I go through my day and my week and I'm just like, I've got my list of things to do and I've got my priorities and I've got my plans, but Lord, I need to sit at your feet. I need to be more and more aware of your love. I need to practice what I preach and understand that my first priority in life is to be loved by God, that my first call is to enjoy my relationship with you, not, not to serve you, 
not even to obey you or to worship you, but that my first call is actually to enjoy a relationship with you, not endure a religion of you. And so, Lord, I pray if there's any man or woman in this room in the sound of my voice, if they just need that, if they just need like a, like a new awareness of your love, I pray that they would take a step forward. And as their hands are physically outstretched to you, and as I anoint their hand with oil, I pray, Father, that they would feel a fresh awareness and that they would have a clarity throughout this next week of your presence and your anointing upon their lives as we sing this last song together. And it's in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.